Let's begin with where we meet David. 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Somebody needs to keep a note card for me, and that's to remember the things that I should remember. I don't want to take that long this evening because I want us to sing a little bit more before we go home. Let's meet David when he comes into the scene. Let's see David when he goes out. And let's see what we can learn about David in between. He was the musician of the Bible. Amen. There's no one else to be compared to David when it comes to music. Right. He was the musician. He wrote the lyrics. And what are the lyrics called in the Bible? Psalms. He wrote the Psalms to be sung. And he invented musical instruments to play them. And he loved to praise the Lord by singing and by playing. He loved new songs because he wanted to be creative in his worship of the Lord. And when he couldn't come up with a new song, or he had a new song, he would invent a new instrument to play it. It is amazing when you read and find all the references about David and music, what he did to set forward the worship of God. And you'll be able to find Solomon copying him and the Bible telling you Solomon was doing what Dad commanded him. You will find Hezekiah 340 years later still doing exactly what David had set up to be done. You will find Josiah another 440 years after David doing it the way David had said, using David's instruments, David's psalms, and the order of the Levites the way that David had set up. Amen. He was the musician. Right. We are studying the heart of David because of what God said about David. God said, He is a man after my own heart. Right. We read those words in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and if you have a heart that wants to please the Lord, you want to have a heart like David. If the blessed God of heaven would say, This man has a heart like mine, or this man is like my heart, we should want to be like David. And so we've looked at a number of chief characteristics that mark David. And now we come to his music. Now, if you think that I'm overlapping, let's think about it. The first one I wanted to teach you several Sundays ago was his zeal in worship. And the focus on that was the house of God. Did David care about the house of God? Did he want to build a temple? Did he pick the spot with the Lord's help? Did he set up a tabernacle himself in Jerusalem? Did he want to move the Ark of the Covenant? He had zeal for the church of God, to be there in worship. Then, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at praise and worship. Now, praise and worship, praise and thanksgiving, was David's great zeal for always wanting to bless the Lord, extol Him, magnify Him, exalt Him, boast about Him, and to be thankful with his lips. Remember? David was was a man dedicated to praise with his lips and much thanksgiving. And so we wanted to be like that. This is a little bit different. We narrow the focus down to singing. And a little bit about playing. Most of the emphasis is on singing, even in the Old Testament. And we know because we're in the New Testament that all the emphasis is on singing in the public worship of God. David loved to sing. David wrote the words. David invented musical instruments to accompany it. David picked the singers, got them organized, tell them where to stand, and when they were to sing. I want to show you some of those things, if I can. First of all, let's find where we meet David. 1 Samuel chapter 16. 
verse 14, tells us about King Saul. But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servant said unto him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God troubleth thee. Let our Lord now command thy servants, which are before thee, to seek out a man who is a cunning player on an harp. And it shall come to pass, when the evil spirit from God is upon thee, that he shall play with his hand, and thou shalt be well. And Saul said unto his servants, Provide me now a man that can play well, and bring him to me. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite that is cunning in playing, and a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person. And the Lord is with him. Amen. Is there anything else you want? <laughs> I think I just found my life verse. 1 Samuel 16, 18. What do you, does, any, does everybody agree with me in here? Is that a life text? i got to read the list once more, just in case you got confused. This is a man reading David's resume. Cunning in playing the harp. Mighty, valiant man. A man of war. Prudent in matters. A comely person. And a P.S. The Lord is with him. Amen. Oh, this is why we're studying David's heart. What, it, what was one thing that this man did? He was a cunning musician. And he played the harp. And they sent for David. David came and became Saul's bodyguard and his harp player. It is a fact. And don't dislike me for telling you facts. Full-time musicians are predominantly sodomites. When you go meet full-time musicians, you will find out that most of them are sodomites. For a man to spend his whole day, all day, all week, in the fine arts, tends toward that because he's enjoying the finer things of life. And it's just a fact. The, mu the musical industry is full of sodomites. And they're often effeminate. But they're not always effeminate. Because look at David. Right. David was a cunning player on a harp. And a mighty, valiant man. Yes. And a man of war. And Saul wanted him as a bodyguard. Now that is an impressive resume. I'm not trying to pick on full-time musicians. Just look around and read the statistics of where AIDS lives. And you'll be able to figure it out. It, it's, just a, it's just a matter of, of uh, experience and reading the statistics. God made a very unique man in David. Right. He was a mighty man and he was a cunning player. This is the first time we meet him. The first time we meet David, there's his resume. He's mighty, he's valiant, a man of war, prudent in matters, the Lord's with him, but what was he selected for? He was a cunning player on the harp. And Saul didn't want him to go back home, and Saul kept him for a good while. That's the first time we meet David. Look at Second Samuel 23, and let's see when we lose David. David on his deathbed, how was he referenced? By the nation of Israel. David the giant killer? David the Philistine circumciser? 2 Samuel 23, verse 1. Now these be the last words of David. David the son of Jesse said, and the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, 
and the sweet psalmist of Israel. David was called a sweet man, the sweet psalmist of Israel. But do you know why he couldn't build the temple? Because he was a bloody man, because he had spent his whole life in war. Look at the combination in David. The sweet psalmist of Israel, and yet a bloody man. What did he do with his life? He wrote poetry called Psalms. Hebrew poetry called Psalms that God inspired from his pen that have been sung for thousands of years. And when we come to the New Testament and we read about what should take place in our song services, it says in Ephesians 5.19 and Colossians 3.16 that we are to sing with Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That first category is David's category. He wrote that those words for us to sing. In James 5.13, it says, When a man's merry, what should he do? Go out to eat? When a man's merry, fly a kite? When a man's merry, sing psalms. James 5.13. David gave us the words that God loves to hear. You know, the more we can sing songs that look like psalms or songs that are psalms, the closer we are to God's inspired kind of words. But now the Lord's merciful with us. He said psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know, a hymn is a song directed directly to the Lord. You're singing to the Lord and praising His name. A spiritual song is a song about the Christian life, about salvation, about grace, about heaven, about deliverance, about faithfulness, about the Word of God. Those are spiritual songs. And those three categories are listed in the New Testament and we're to sing with melody from our heart. Ephesians 5.19, Colossians 3.16, we're to sing from our heart. That's where we make the melody that's acceptable to God in the New Testament. Okay, what was David doing? Let's go to Amos chapter 6. Amos chapter 6. Some of you were with me recently to hear someone else preach and we heard one disappointing interpretation of this passage and I'm not going to go there tonight, but for those of you that heard it with me, That was entirely and altogether wrong. David inventing musical instruments was a gift from heaven. It wasn't something wicked and wrong. Amos chapter 6. Did you find the book of Amos? Chapter 6 and verse 5. What the Lord is doing here by the prophet is condemning the Israelites for being too casual, too relaxed, too lethargic, too carnally minded since judgment was coming on the nation. And so he's going to use something about David to their condemnation, but not to David's condemnation. Right. He says in verse 5, that chant to the sound of the vial and invent to themselves instruments of music like David. That verse tells us the prophet is criticizing the Israelites for, for basking in music. Look at what it says about them. It, it describes, they stretch themselves on their couches in verse 4. They eat the lambs of the flock. They can't even wait for them to grow up. Calves in the midst of the stall. Verse 6, that are drinking wine in bowls and anointing themselves with chief ointments, but they're not grieving for the trouble that's in Israel that God's going to judge them for. That's the context. But he flips out there. They're so enhanced with, they're so attracted to music, they're inventing new musical instruments just like David did. Amos 6.5. There's a verse that tells us David invented musical instruments. Let's come back to 1 Chronicles chapter 13. 1 Chronicles chapter 13. 
how long of a record do we have of David bringing the Ark of the Covenant up in Samuel? It's one chapter. It's just one chapter. You've got 13, 15, and 16 in Chronicles. Do you know why you read Samuel more than you read Chronicles? Because Chronicles uses all the names, and you don't like them. And the first ten chapters of the book are the genealogies, and you don't like those either. But if you'll, if you'll pay the price and get into Chronicles, you'll get more detail in a number of places than you will in Samuel. And about David moving the ark, there's a lot more detail. Remember, we've already met Chenaniah tonight. And where we meet Chenaniah in chapter 15 and verse 22, because he was a song leader for bringing up that ark. First time it was moved is in chapter 13. David consults. The first verse tells us David consulted with the thousands and hundreds and with every leader of Israel, and he gathered the whole nation together. Look at verse 5. So David gathered all Israel together from Shihor of Egypt, even under the entering of Hemath, to bring the ark of God from kirjath Jerem. I mean, David is going to have a worship service to bring that ark of the covenant up. He gets the whole nation together. You know, sometimes we get a little intimidated by trying to get the whole church together. And David got the whole nation together to bring this Ark of the Covenant up. They carried it on a new ox cart. You know, this is such an important lesson for us always. What God said to do is exactly how we ought to do it. And if we vary from it, we are exposing ourselves to God's judgment. That little box, the Ark of the Covenant was a gold box about that big. And it had some tall cherubim on top of it, all from beaten gold. It was beautiful. And it had rings on the corners of it. And a gold staff was to be put through those rings. And the Levites were to carry that thing on their shoulders. David made a new ox cart for it. This is one of David's mistakes, one of David's errors, one of David's sins. And the Lord was merciful and only killed one man for David moving the Ark of the Covenant the wrong way. People ask us, why are you so picky? about the way you worship God. Why don't you have this? Why don't you have that? Why don't you do this or that? It's because when we read the Bible, we see that God judged men, even men with great hearts like David, for modifying the way things were done. And so as we come down through 1 Chronicles 13, don't forget about that. You say, well, why are you bringing that up tonight? This is the reason. We don't use musical instruments in the New Testament worship. Why don't we? Because the New Testament is absolutely silent about any playing in the New Testament. The melody that God wants accompanying the singing of the New Testament is melody that starts right here, not in a dead piano. That dead piano or other musical instruments only affect the ear, not the understanding or the spirit. And the Lord wants us to have a religion of the spirit in the New Testament. And you know, they all look at us and they say, they're so weird, they don't have musical instruments. And you know, we could put Johnny, Jonathan, I, I meant, you know, I, that's an affectionate term for him. Jonathan on a piano. Could Jonathan handle himself on a piano? Yes. Yep. Yes. Could he? Yes. Could he handle two of them maybe? One for each hand. He could handle the piano. It's not that we have a shortage of piano, of piano players. Do we have a general fund that could afford a piano? I think so. I think so. Why don't we have one? Because the New Testament says, sing, sing, sing. It never says the word play. You say you're so strict. Uh Uh-huh. And it says for us to use wine and unleavened bread at the Lord's Supper. We haven't started with cookies and milk yet. 
if you want to bring a piano into the worship, then why aren't you having the Lord's Supper with cookies and milk? Or Coke and chips? Why are you going to modify the Word of God? David gets the whole nation together. Is that a good thing? David was excited about moving the Ark of the Covenant. Is that a good thing? Is having a new ox cart built for it a pretty good thing? I mean, he... He had a custom-made ox cart that had never been used for anything else to carry the Ark of the Covenant. Is that a good thing? Did God kill a man for that? Yes. Because as that was driving along and and the ox cart began to shake a little bit, the priest that was driving it, did David have the right man driving it? Yeah. He reached back to steady that ark, and God smote him dead in the middle of a parade. That is how serious the Lord is about what is called the due order. Amen. Amen. Let me cheat by just... Look ahead at 15, chapter 15 and verse 13. I want you to see what the Bible calls it. 1 Chronicles 15, 13. He, he's telling the Levites, why didn't you stop me the first time and make sure that you were carrying that Ark of the Covenant? For because ye did it not at the first, the Lord our God made a breach upon us for that we sought him not after the due order. There is a due order of worshiping God. And we want to do it in the due order way. And that's two different dues. We want to do it in the due order way. God has a due order for His worship. And the New Testament, it is to sing. And so we sing, we do not play. Just like David should have moved that ark on the shoulders of the priests or Levites, not on a new ox cart. Very important, because people ask us all the time, why don't you have musical instruments? They think we're weird. You know, they never look back in history to find out that there weren't any Baptist churches with musical instruments. Two, three hundred years ago, not one. Right. Not one. Charles Spurgeon is considered a great Baptist preacher. He had the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, England. Ten 15,000 would jam themselves in there to hear the great orator give one of his sermons. When he had D.L. Moody, was very popular at that time, who had Iris Sankey as his song leader, wrote some of the songs in Christian hymn books. Charles Spurgeon, no way are you bringing any of that popish stuff into our church. And he loved D.L. Moody. People don't know that because they don't read history and they don't know what's going on. If Daddy used a piano, then it's good enough for Mama, and it's good enough for me. And they actually sing songs about songs like that. The old-time religion, it was good enough for Mama, it's good enough for me. We don't care what Mama did or Grandma did. What we care about is what the Bible says. And that is no disrespect to my parents here on the front row. It has nothing to do with that at all. It has to do with the Word of God has to be honored over all men, all traditions, all habits. We don't have musical instruments because the Bible says sing. And the Bible knows the word play because the Old Testament's filled with it. Right. What kind of instruments did David bring to bear for a parade? Verse 8, 1 Chronicles 13, 8, And David and all Israel played before God with all their might. How did David approach music? Lethargically? Lackadaisically? Or intensely. You know, we were just singing a few minutes ago and I thought it was rather intense. I was thinking to myself, if David was here, measured the crowd, looked at those sound-absorbing tile ceilings, he would say, good job. That's what I was thinking. 
few minutes ago, not all the way through the song. We better be thinking about the Lord while we're singing. But I was thinking about that. Look at how it says, David and all Israel played before God with all their might, and with singing, and with harps, and with psalteries, and with timbrels, and with cymbals, and with trumpets. Now that is a praise band. But that's a praise band ordained by God of the Old Testament. I, you know, I had wished that Andrea could have brought her harp tonight so that you all could remember. What is a harp? I mean, when was the last time you played a harp? Never. I mean, it's just good to see a harp, but she didn't bring it because I didn't ask her to. So don't blame her. Blame me. Blame her a little, but blame me for most. <laughs> I would have loved to have had that harp right here for all of us to think about David plucking away on it, you know, with a sling dangling out of his back pocket. <laughs> It's like when I went to see Andrew play the piano at a recital. I'm serious. I went to see Andrew play at a recital. He had this great big bulge in his pocket of his pants. The boys and I are, what do you think he's got in his pants? You know what he had in there. Something about that long, and it opens like that. David was just like that. David was a mighty, valiant man, a man of war, and a very skillful player. Look at all these instruments. The harp, you know, the harp sits on the floor and has strings held, a, a series of strings of different lengths that give different tones. Then we've got a thing called a psaltery here where the soundboard is not removed from the strings but right behind it. Looks like a dulcimer except the strings are plucked with the finger or a little gadget. And so we're gonna, we read about psalteries throughout the, of David's writings. We've got harps, we've got psalteries, we've got timbrels which are like a tambourine. It's a percussion instrument. So that there was rhythm, because it's timbrels and tabrets that the women would take up when they were going to dance. You read about it in Exodus chapter 15 and other places, that gave them their rhythm and their percussion. And with cymbals, that's a pretty loud percussion instrument, and uh, trumpets, that's a piercing sound. I mean, we our family was talking last night because in some of the places we're going to read, there were 120 trumpeters at a time in Solomon's temple. 120 trumpeters would make one piercing sound. They'd have to stop to be able to hear the harps. With 120 trumpets. We were talking about the blend of the different musical instruments because a harp is a gentle sound. It's a soothing sound. Is there a place for that? You're going to read harps all the way through Psalms. And what was David cunning at? That soothing sound. He was a melancholy, and he liked that soothing sound, and Saul needed that soothing sound for his own health. And so David provided that by playing skillfully for him. You know what happens in this chapter. God kills Uzzah. The parade stops. David said, I'm not going one step further with this Ark of the Covenant. And he puts it over in a house that's right there at that point in the road. A man named Obed-Edom, a Gittite. Maybe one of David's, that's a Philistine, living in Israel. He puts it in there. Obed-Edom turns out to be one of his singers. That's, That's another story, though turns out to be one of his singers. But he puts the ark in his house and he goes home and he says, I can't move it. The whole nation goes back home. And you know, the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom. And after three months, David said, I don't want that blessing down the street. I want it at my address. (laughs) And and you know, when we read the Bible and we see God's blessing on someone, don't we want to ask, what do they have that I don't? What are they doing that I'm not? I want to start doing it because I want God's blessing. Not, Not out of envy for what's happening to them. Not out of envy, not out of covetousness, but don't we want it to be said of us? 
the Lord was with him. David knew where the Lord was. He was down the street at the wrong address. And as soon as David figured that out, then we come into chapter 15. First Chronicles chapter 15. And if you were to read through this, you're going to read a bunch of names and a bunch of numbers because it's the details of this huge choir and players and orchestra that David's putting together to take care of moving the ark. We come to verse 16. David spake to the chief of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers with instruments of music, psalteries and harps and cymbals, sounding by lifting up the voice with joy. Listen, that's David. He loved to praise God, lifting up the voice. Can you mumble and be like David? Can you be a mannequin and be like David? David was a man of men, a great man by any measure. You saw that resume. They lifted up their voice. They did it with joy. And they blasted on those musical instruments. And if David thought there was a shortage of them, he would invent them. We are not told what David invented. All we're told is he invented musical instruments in three places in the Bible, one of which I told you, two of which you're going to have to look for later, because I'm going to have to look for them with you. I had, I had between 100 and 150 references for tonight's sermon. And so I, I'm serious. You'll see it in the outline. It'll be on the Internet in a, in a few days when we put the heart of David out there. So I can't show you the other two, but I showed you the one, and I hope that all of you know that about David anyway, that he did invent musical instruments. Joy, lifting up the voice, using these instruments appointed by God to praise him as they move the Ark of the Covenant. And we can read some names in verse 17, verse 18. We come to verse 19. So the singers, Heman, Asaph, oh, Asaph. We know about him, don't we? He's a psalm writer right along with David. And you know what instrument Asaph liked? Cymbals. And you're going to read about him in several places. Cymbals. You know, they're used once in a while. The rest of the time he's directing, he's leading, and then he's crashing. With that noise to give an, a point of emphasis in the worship of God. So the singers, Heman, Asaph, and Ethan, were appointed to sound with cymbals of brass. And Zechariah, and Aziel, and Shemaramoth, and Jehiel, and Unai, and Eliab, and Maaseah, and Benaiah, with psalteries on Alamoth. I can't tell you what Alamoth is. It is a lost word. Alamoth is a, is a, has to do with the Hebrew form of music. We don't sing that way. Because the next verse is going to have another one, and you will find these words over the top of some of the psalms. It was a way the Hebrews sang. It was a type of singing to tell them that this group of guys sang this way with psalteries. They used psalteries for their accompaniment on Alamoth. And Mattathiah, and Eliphila, and Mechnea, and Obed-Edom, and Jeel, and Azaziah with harps, on the Sheminith to excel. They played with harps on the Sheminith. And Chenaniah, chief of the Levites, was for song. He instructed about the song because he was skillful. And then as Eric pointed out, he's also mentioned down in verse 27 where we read, And David was clothed with a robe of fine linen, and all the Levites that bear the ark, and the singers, 
and Chenaniah, the master of the song with the singers, David also had upon him an ephod of linen underneath that robe of fine linen. Thus all Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting and with sound of the cornet and with trumpets and with cymbals, making a noise with psalteries and harps. This is moving the ark of the covenant. A, a great a number of instruments that David assigned for the, for the event. He had the whole nation there. He had a whole bunch of singers. There were cymbals to make that loud, emphatic points. There were harps for delicate music. And there were trumpets and cornets and psalteries and other instruments to give a full sound. They sang, they lifted up the voice, and they praised the Lord. This is typical of David's desire to worship. When you read the Psalms, do you ever run into the word sing? Yes. Do you? Because David loved to sing to the Lord. He wrote the words, and the words of the Psalms are meant to be sung because we're even told that in the New Testament. Some of these Psalms have been sung for over 3,000 years since David wrote them. And when we sing Psalm 100, I love singing Psalm 100 in here because I know that psalm has been sung so many times over so many years. And I don't mind singing it to the tune of the old 100th because that happens to be 500 years old as well. First Chronicles 16. It's still about moving the Ark of the Covenant. If you, if you were to read verses 4 through 6, we have trumpets. Look at verse 6. Benaiah also and Jehaziel, the priests with trumpets, continually before the Ark of the Covenant of God. They just continued to blast trumpets before the Ark of the Covenant. Verse 7, Then on that day David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. The song leaders, David said, here's some words for a song. And if you read down through these words, you'll find them in a couple of different psalms. He's put them together here in this particular presentation to be sung at the moving of the Ark of the Covenant. And we get to the end, and look at how it ends in verse 36. This wonderful psalm that was designed for the moving of the Ark. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen, Amen. and praise the Lord. So he left there before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, Asaph and his brethren, to minister before the Ark, What's that word? Continually. Continually, as every day's work required, they rotated singers and players so that God was getting worship all the time from his tabernacle. All the time. There are references that tell us David had 8,000 singers that rotated through singing so that God was getting praise all the time. If you read Psalms that refer to, to singers and players standing in the house of the Lord, Day and night, it's not a figure of speech. It's literal in the times of David. David wanted God getting music all the time. And so they would rotate singers through so that continually God was being praised. Do you feel the heart of David at all about music? He loved to praise the Lord. Amen. Brethren, have you found in your life, can you walk with the Lord and be close to Him, spiritually minded, Knowing that you're fully saved and confident of heaven, listening to rock and roll music? Country Western? Does it feed your soul and, and boost you, your fellowship with the Holy Spirit of God? No way. It grieves and quenches the Spirit of God. You replace that music, though, with music that praises the Lord, 
And if you're in the doldrums, if you're discouraged, if you're depressed, and if you are to humble yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, my soul is cast down right now. Just like David said in Psalm 42, Oh, my soul, why art thou cast down? If you do that and then turn on some music that praises the Lord and humble yourself, telling the Lord you want Him to be the strength of your countenance and He is your only hope, you won't be discouraged for long. That's right. Because God made music to speak to your soul because He loves to be praised. And if you praise Him, it will return in a favor of blessing because the Holy Spirit loves for God to be praised. True, man. David loved to do that. And David did it with these people. And David wanted God being praised that way all the time. Look at First Chronicles chapter 23. He made Solomon king. First Samuel, First Chronicles 23.1 But when he did it, he knew that Solomon wasn't as competent as he was as a musician. And so he set up the music that would take place in Israel for a long time. Look at what it says in verse 5. Moreover, 4,000 were porters, and 4,000 praised the Lord with the instruments which I made, said David, to praise therewith. There were 4,000 players in this particular place that played to worship the Lord. 4,000 musicians to make sure that God's praise was worthy. Let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 29. Second Chronicles 29. I'm getting out of order. Second Chronicles chapter 5. I'm not 27 anymore. Forgive me. I had 150 ref- 100, I had 100 references at least. But I, I, I want Solomon and I want Hezekiah, because I want you to see that David set in order the worship of God by singing and playing for the whole Old Testament. First of all, Solomon, you know the most, the most grand dedication service ever held was the dedication of Solomon's temple. Let's see if we can find anything about it in Second Chronicles chapter 5, beginning at verse 11. And it came to pass, when the priests were come out of the holy place, what were they doing in there? They were putting the ark to rest. The whole nation is gathered around this magnificent temple that Solomon has built with the materials that David gathered. And the priests have gone in to put the ark at rest in the holy place. That secret little compartment in the very inside of the temple where the ark was to reside by itself and a priest was only to visit once a year and not without blood. They come out, for all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by course. The whole priesthood was standing waiting. Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, of Heman, of Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them an hundred and twenty priests, sounding with trumpets. It came to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one. It came to pass as the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. So that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud for the glory of the Lord 
had filled the house of God. Amen. I want the glory of the Lord to fill this house of God. Amen. We don't use musical instruments. We don't need the psalteries and the harps. But we can lift up our voices and we can do it with joy. And the Lord Jesus Christ will fill this house with his glory. That is Solomon. Second Chronicles 29. Hezekiah, 340 years later. What was their song service like? Same one. David had established what they were to do. Second Chronicles 29, 25. This is Hezekiah when it says he. And he, not David, not Solomon, but Hezekiah, he set the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals, with psalteries, and with harps, according to the commandment of David, and of Gad the king's seer, and Nathan the prophet, for so was the commandment of the Lord by his prophets. Three prophets, David, Gad, Nathan. And the Levites stood with the instruments of David. What kind of instruments? The instruments of David. And the priests with the trumpets. And Hezekiah commanded to offer the burnt offering upon the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord began also with the trumpets. And with the instruments ordained by David, king of Israel. And all the congregation worshipped. And the singers sang. And the trumpeters sounded. And all this continued until the burnt offering was finished. And when they had made an end of offering, the king and all that were present with him bowed themselves and worshipped. Moreover, Hezekiah the king and the princes commanded the Levites to sing praise unto the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer. And they sang praises with gladness, and they bowed their heads and worshipped. That is a worship service. Done according to the commandment of God's prophets. Three men decided exactly how they ought to worship. David, Gad, and Nathan. All three prophets. They were still doing it that way 340 years later. They were doing it with gladness. They bowed their heads, and they worshipped. This is the way the Lord wants us to do it. Where was their contemporary worship? They were 340-year-old sticks in the mud. Amen. Why hadn't they made some innovations? Because Hezekiah was in a revival. And you know what? If you go another 100 years and come to Josiah, chapter 35, I believe it is, you're going to run into the very same thing. Josiah is doing it exactly the way David said, because part of a revival is getting back to doing things just the way God said. Turn to the book of Psalms. Where do you want to turn to the book of Psalms and see if we can find singing? I want you to turn to Psalm 47. That isn't the first place that it occurs. There are so many references in the Psalms. David just says, I'm going to sing. I love to sing to you, Lord, and I'm going to sing. Look at this, look at this particular verse of his. Psalm 47, verse 6. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises unto our King. Sing praises. Do you get the point? Do you need it interpreted or explained for you? Sing. Amen. When I'm gone on vacation from you, I visit other churches. And to go into another church and have maybe one, two, five verses... Not songs, verses in total, sung with a congregation. Most of it's done with a choir or special music. 
The Bible tells us to sing one to another in congregational singing. It's so sad. And then they have those blaring instruments of an organ and a piano, and you don't hear all the people letting it go with their own, the melody from their heart. It's such a disappointment. Because to hear people singing with melody from their heart, meaning the words, see, a piano can't mean anything. Never has, it never will. It's dumb and stupid. It doesn't do anything except make a clanging noise. The melody from our heart, with words that we're able to understand, is the worship of God in the New Testament. Right. And to come back here and to have all these verses sung that are meaningful songs with meaningful words and you're seeing them in a meaningful way is a great blessing. I'm very thankful for it. This tells us right here, sing praises to God in verse 6, sing praises, sing praises unto our King, sing praises, for God is the King of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. Amen. Now isn't that amazing that that was taught in the Old Testament? What does it say in 1 Corinthians 14? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. Does that mean you could cut loose with a prayer in tongues? No. You were to pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit. The Spirit will come upon me, and I will sing, but I will sing with the understanding. I will not sing in a language that I do not know. I will sing psalms in the language of the people around me and the language that I know. That was taught in the Old Testament as well. Things were supposed to be done with understanding, not just making a noise. When the Bible says make a joyful noise, they were playing and singing with the understanding. Turn to Psalm 146. And I'm done. Psalm 146. There's so many references about singing. I hope you know they're all there. I've given you a few. Psalm 146, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. What does that tell you about the heart of David? Let me read that verse to you again. Psalm 146 and verse 2. While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. That is the spirit we ought to have. What has he given us this being for? But to praise him. We were created for his pleasure. What did David call this thing in here? The glory. That's our glory. Why is it called a glory? Because we can use it to the glory of God. The tongue that forms the words, forms the sounds, helps make the melody, With our tongue, it's our glory. We want to use it for his praise by singing, as long as I have any being. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts. Brother Eric.